Hey boys, welcome back to another season of Hillside Fantasy Football. This is From the Commissioner's Desk. What's up, guys? Today it's Friday, September 10th. Uh, we're walking into week one of the NFL season. Uh, we're excited to be here and we're going to just give you a quick uh, snippet, right? We're going to give you a quick 20 minute, 30 minute episode uh, discussing and breaking down some of the matchups for this week, some of the stuff we're excited to watch for, uh, and just get some stuff of our, off of our chest, right? We're excited that fantasy's back got some takes for you guys uh and looking forward to doing this throughout the season so this is a little bit of a surprise but looking forward to it uh in my opinion Chaz there's no better place to start than looking at the incredible game we got last night uh, I agree what a game I mean Buccaneers ended up winning 31-29 the Super Bowl champs left off right where they ended last year uh give me some of your initial takes your initial thoughts from this game well, I think we should start um, where everyone else is thinking. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, I think he might have a rough year ahead of him. I don't think – well, him and both um, running backs didn't do so hot. I don't think there was a single running back that scored um, more than, like, 10 points, and I don't think a single one of them ran for more than 40 yards. Um, so the running yeah, game was pretty uh, minimal, but – Fournette put up just over 10 points, uh, but he was primarily using the passing game. I mean, both those defenses, the front sevens are just absurd. I mean, Todd Bowles led Buccaneers defense best in the league last year by a landslide. Uh, they promoted a lot of that in the broadcast last night. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're scary, and they're living up their name. Yeah, and then um, regarding wide receivers, I think uh, the scores speak for themselves. Anytime your first player of the season, eight of the week, Drops a 40 bomb, almost 38.9 bomb. You're looking good. And then all the other wide receivers kind of fell into place there. I think uh, Mike Evans is the only one, but when you got four weapons on that team, it's kind of tough. And then you got Gronkowski, who, you know, his old man bones came through again. Yeah, both teams put up three functional receivers. Uh, an impressive game. Uh, some nice fantasy stats to go along with that. Uh, but to me, the most impressive fantasy stats – Live with the quarterbacks. I mean, this is something that blew me away, but both quarterbacks put up uh, more attempts than any of their games last season. I know Dak was limited to just five games with the injury, but come on, coming off of a re-aggravated shoulder in the preseason, he ended up throwing the ball 58 times. I was expecting him to be on a little bit of a pitch count. He had 58 attempts, uh, ended up with three touchdowns. So, it looks like he's picking up right where he left off uh, when he snapped his ankle in half in week five of last year. Yeah. Uh, he was on pace for 7,000 yards. And after last night's game, I know it's a small sample size, but he likely might exceed that. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch this Dallas Cowboys offense uh, with play calling by Kellen Moore. Uh, you know, it's air raid now. And like you said in the beginning, Zeke is somewhat of a different player. A lot of people chalk that up to the Buccaneers front seven, them being scared or running sweeps to the outside. Uh, but we saw this from Zeke last year, even when Dak went out and they relied more on the running game, he was a serviceable running back, but didn't really seem to have that top tier fantasy value mm -hmm. um, that we're accustomed to in the name. We have the ageless wonder 
your neighbor, Chaz, Tom Brady. Tom Brady threw the ball 50 times last night. Okay. And he looked, he was doing, he looked doing it. He looked like a spry young man. To put that in perspective, he had one game last year where he threw the ball over 45 times. So this is uh, already in week one, he's surpassed the totals of the entire last season. Okay. So 50 attempts more than anything he threw last year, four touchdowns. Uh, I'm ecstatic because I got him late in the draft. He's on my team and he put up big numbers for me. Couldn't be more happy with Tom Brady. All right, guys. So one other thing we're going to do each week is we're going to break down each matchup, kind of give our takes on it. I'm going to get a team. Trent's going to get a team. And we're kind of going to um, build off each other and kind of see what we're thinking for that week. So first matchup this week I want to go over is the Battle of the Wills. Now I'm going to take charge of the title town recluse, which is owned by Will Hickson. He comes out once a year from his cave, drafts a pretty above average team and then slithers back into his dungeon, and you'll see him once a year. Jazz, I think you're underselling it a little bit. Will, both these Wills, both these teams, uh, they made it to the semifinals last year. Uh, if you remember, this is the third-place overall team and the fourth-place overall team. Uh, very, very impressive rosters they continue to put together. Don't talk a ton of fantasy smack in the group chat, uh, but they always seem to have powerful teams come playoff time. Yep, I agree. All right, starting out with uh, Title Town. Got your quarterback, Lamar Jackson, my lord and savior. I think uh, he speaks for himself. So this week, I, I don't, I'm not too fearful of the Bills defense or the uh, Steelers defense. I'm more afraid of the uh, practice field turf that could be injured in. But um, starting out with quarterback, I think he's looking pretty good. Running backs. Anytime Joe Mixon's your starting running back, I think you might be in some trouble. Um, I know. You might have better luck. Normally, Davis drafts Joe Mixon, and he's a bust anyways. But Joe Mixon, and then we got Josh Jacobs as your second string. Been out of practice a few days. Um, coming back today, um, having a few toe uh, issues. But then once you go to his wide receivers, wide receiver number one for me, wide receiver number six for me, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he's looking pretty good in that. TJ Hawkinson, he sniped him for me. I was eyeballing him in the draft, and he – Gobbled him up before that happened. Playing San Francisco, tough run defense. Um, I think the uh, tight ends and the wide receivers are going to have themselves a day for that. Um, and then you got, obviously, Deontay Johnson and uh, Kenny, Kenny Galladay. I like his overall lineup, especially against uh, Lexington Mob. Yeah, Will's, Will Hickson's team has got a really good feel to it. Um, I think he was smart and had a strategy going into the draft and knew he was going to go after his guys. Uh, he took wide receiver, wide receiver in rounds one and two, ended up with Devontae and D-Hop. Uh, to me, in a double flex lead that's PPR, the wide receiver value goes up. And he realized that and capitalized on it. So his core, including Lamar Jackson and even Joe Mixon, I think he's definitely a serviceable running back this year, uh, gives Will probably one of the strongest cores we're going to see as we highlight these teams. To me, the biggest question mark is that second flex. I know he's got Jalen Waddle on the bench, but you don't want to start a rookie receiver week one. If he develops into a nice role, he's going to have a well-rounded lineup. Uh, but like you said, Kenny Galladay has too many red flags, too many question marks. He's just taken off the injury report today on Friday. Um, so there's still a few question marks on this team, but I think uh, Will is an adequate uh, member, an adequate owner in this league, and can do a great job rounding out and finishing with a nice team. Uh, moving on, we're going to take a look at the other Will, Battle of the Wills, Will Gray's team. 
Now, what you see at this team at the start are two phenomenal running backs, Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler. However, Austin Eckler was traded to his team this week. And I think, in my opinion, uh, the trade capital given up and the trade capital received was a clear net loss for Will. Unfortunately, the, the trade ended up being uh, sending away Kittle and Derrick Henry and receiving back Allen Robinson II and Austin Eckler. To me, yeah, Austin Eckler has all of the potential to be one of the greatest fantasy studs this year if injuries can keep him on the field, if lack of injuries can keep him on the field. Uh, Currently, it's looking like he is going to be a limited role come Sunday. Uh, it's unfortunate, but you want to get off to a hot start in this league. There's now 14 weeks in the regular season, and every game is very important. But a lost trade and trending down in terms of injuries isn't a great start. Um, the lack of depth on the bench is a little bit concerning in terms of the wide receiver room um, to fill in for guys like DJ Moore and Allen Robinson, two receivers that I don't love. Jerry Judy's a guy that might have a second-year breakout, but with a new quarterback, you never know what's going to happen. And then on the bench, there's not too much to get excited about. Chaz, how do you see this matchup going? Who do you got uh, winning this week between the Battle of the Wills? Yeah, so this one's going to be um, a toss-up. I will say with Justin Herbert having Austin Eckler out will definitely be a dig to him and Austin Eckler. So you're looking at two of your main positions that might have some issues. The Colts, um, I'm not loving them this year. And then some of the second year and first year guys, um, I'm not totally sure on. But overall, I think he might be all right. Um, that neither of them have had a player play yet. So that's always, um, you never really know what's going to happen. But right now, I got Titletown um, beating him out by just a little bit. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. Right now, uh, the projections are, it's about 11 points spread favoring Will Hickson. I think it's going to be a little bit tighter than that, probably a little bit less scoring. Um, but I do see Will Hickson securing a W for week one. Uh, continuing on, we're moving to the next matchup. Uh, the matchup of two of the bigger mouths in the league, two of the bigger shit talkers uh, like to match up against each other. Uh, and if you really think about it, these two have kind of taken on the persona of their team, taken on the persona of the league name, and they can be simplified into one single word for each team. We've got the battle of clown versus Don taking a look first at Don's team. We've got Eric Thomas owner, Eric Thomas of Don patrol 2.0. Um, probably some of the most head scratching moves during the draft itself, but ends up with a beautiful roster and a really strong starting core. The big news breaking Thursday about Gus's injury. Gus Bus is now out for the remainder of the season. A dagger to the heart of this team that had Gus as a clear RB2 now has to transition and puts Leonard Fournette into the starting lineup, what actually turned out to be a serviceable flex play in this league. 10 points, 11 points um, from a flex running back is clutch. Yeah, I agree. I think, though... With some of his injuries, I'm just uh, I'm glad that he has at least two defenses, two tight ends, and two QBs. Because I mean, you can't ever have too many defenses. So I think he's looking good in that department. Um, in terms of his overall lineup, uh, I don't hate it honestly. I think Miles Gaskin as your RB two is a safe play. 
Um, obviously, you got Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill stack could flat out win Eric several weeks. But like you said, the lack of depth at position positions like wide receiver and running back on the bench where he secured a top end defense uh, and a second quarterback that's not going to be a starter, an additional mm-hmm. tight end. Maybe not the moves that you wanted to start the year with, uh, but we'll see what this team looks like at the end of the year. The thing I want to say is I know it's week one, but you guys are all mature fantasy football players. Three of the teams, three of the 10 teams have made the mistake and left a player who played in Thursday night's matchup in their flex position. Now, it probably doesn't seem like much, but those three teams are now in a vulnerable spot if they get hit with injuries, especially teams like Eric's, and we'll see later with Daniels, who left a running back in that position. If, in the unfortunate event that a running back goes down leading up to those games, like a Miles Gaskin or an Aaron Jones, he's going to have to fill that with another running back off his bench. He's not going to be able to fill that with a flex position. So it's important to check your lineups ahead of time and make sure that the latest time slots are in your flex spots. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an issue week one. I think all practices are wrapping up. Uh, within the next 30 minutes. So shouldn't be an issue, but if something were to flare up, this could be detrimental later on in the season. Yeah, totally agree. And then moving over to the clown, Davis Church, you know, we talked a little bit about his team and the group chat. I think everyone's kind of down on him. I think this week was big for him, a nice moral victory. Uh, Later on in the season, we'll see what happens. Um, Davis has always been a fan of the younger boys, little boys. So him having all the the second year's guys is kind of fitting, I guess. Um, breaking down his team, Jalen Hurts, a little unknown this year, playing Atlanta. Their secondary is god-awful, so I think he'll have himself a game. Antonio Brown, beast, PPR league, I think he's a he's a winner. David Johnson against that um, Los Angeles Rams front. Not too big on him this week, um, but he's a safe RB2. Um, CeeDee Lamb put himself up a game yesterday. Had a few big drops, but I think overall – um, he did pretty well. And then his overall lineup's not looking bad. I think the depth is a little um, – I'm a little unsure of their how they're going to actually play this year just because I haven't seen very much of them. Um, but Brandon Ayuk, and then obviously you have Travis Kelsey, which is um, the horse of the the league right here. So, um, And then lastly, we have A.B., who will look pretty good, and then um, T. Higgins, who is the vocal point of the – Bengals offense behind Joe Mixon. So I think he's looking pretty good. I think, um, honestly, Don Patrol might have a chance. Uh, I don't really pay attention much to the uh, percentages given by ESPN because they're a bunch of clowns. Um, But I think Don Patrol might have a chance here. So I'm actually going to go Don Patrol this week um, over clown. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, Davis uh, is notably a crammer. You know, he, he likes to study up right before the draft. Uh, and it's pretty clear to me the resource he used was the Fantasy Footballers podcast. Uh, he took the idea that second-year wide receivers are due for a breakout. He drafted five. He's got CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, and Marquez Callaway. So he's definitely following that prototype. However, I don't think that approach is worthwhile in a lot of these players' situations. The second-year breakout for wide receivers is seen when there's an established quarterback. C.D. Lamb is starting to see that, and I think he's going to continue to have high production in that passing offense, like we said, with an established quarterback like Dak. But when you look at Brendan Ayuk, 
the 49ers quarterback situation is due to change sometime this year. We don't know what the chemistry is going to look like between Ayuk and potentially getting Trey Lance in there at the starting quarterback. Same thing with T. Higgins. I know he's had one year with Joe Burrow, but what's that going to look like? It's not an established quarterback position. LaVisca Chenault, you've got the rookie quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. And then Marquez Callaway, New Orleans quarterback situation right now is Jameis Winston, which no one's going to be happy about, but he's going to throw the ball deep. Um, I just don't know if that strategy is quite going to pan out. And I'm with you. I think Don actually has a decent chance uh, to put up some good figures. I don't see T. Higgins putting up a lot of numbers this week, so we'll see how it shapes up. But I've got Don actually coming back and winning this week. I'm right there with you. Speaking of big mouths, we got one more uh, group in here that I think um, talks more than anybody. And actually, they don't talk to each other. They feed off each other and talk to everybody else. So we got the B team and the Manscaped Bushwhackers, but next week it'll be a different name. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Kyle Martin's team here. I'm going to break him down real quick. Um, I mean, when you got both your first starters dropping 30-plus points, you're looking pretty good. Um, like you mentioned earlier in the week, there was a bit, pretty big trade here. Uh, me personally, I know you said um, I think he maybe got the better deal, especially with George Kittle coming in. Um, Kyle Pitts, um, kind of a pretty well-known rookie, but I think George Kittle's a safer play, so I think he got the win on that one. Um, Derrick Henry, though, um, last year, I'm pretty sure he only had five receptions. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, stats man. Do you know how many receptions Derrick Henry had last year in the regular season? I had more than five. Yeah. And then you got Nick Chubb, who's also a primary runner and not much of a pass catcher. So you got those two guys, I think, are solid locks every week. I think they're, uh, their ceilings are can have big games, but I think most of the time they're going to be sitting in a range that's um, pretty acceptable, but you're not going to get blown out of the water with them. Um, and then you got Julio Jones. So um, bum knee um, Brown, I think might be out of there. So, I mean, besides those two players, you're not really looking at too many other people who are going to receive points for that team. So I'm really liking the stack on they got there. Cortland Sutton built with some injuries, but I, um, with my boy, Louisville Teddy Bridgewater in there, I think he'll be looking good. And then George Brittle Kittle, again, injuries, um, there's a few players on here that I think might be a little injury prone. So early on in the season, I think he's looking pretty good. Um, Chris Carson, another one of those guys, he's a bull rusher. He runs with his head, um, but that gets him in trouble sometimes. And then you got DJ Chark. Again, last year, he was kind of a bust. Um, but I think this year he might have a bounce back. But there's so many tools on that offense, I think he might be in some trouble. And the Patriots defense, um, um, what do you think about their startup right now for their uh, the B team starting lineup here? I think this B team is anything but a B team. I think this is clearly an A team. To me, it comes down to the three running backs that have been secured both in the draft and then by the trade we keep mentioning. Nick Chubb, Derek Henry, Chris Carson, I think is a formidable front. Guys that can easily put up 20-plus points week to week. Um, Kyle secured himself a pretty darn good team. Uh, I think the biggest X factor is going to be what Sutton's going to look like in that offense. Before his injury um, was Obviously, the established receiver, a PPR machine, someone that everyone keyed in on in drafts last year. Um, so we'll see what he looks like in his return. But I think that is kind of going to be the balance for Kyle's team throughout the season. Uh, if he's able to get off to a hot start, I think he can dish him off for, for quite a bit in return um, or keep him in his lineup to be a strong, strong team throughout the season. On the flip side here, we have Ethan Brown. Ethan Brown's uh, Manscaped Bushwhackers. 
a guy who clearly year. is into his grooming. Ethan has put together a squad, finished the last year uh, six and seven. He was in seventh place, just missed the playoffs. Um, now, Ethan's squad is very strong at wide receiver. I really like that he got his guy, A.J. Brown. Robert Woods as well is a stud. Amari was a guy I wasn't high on, but obviously put up nearly 40 points, so I'm not going to fault him there. And then Robbie Anderson in his second flex, uh, another strong piece to this offense. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how Robbie Anderson pairs again with Sam Darnold. They were teammates, obviously, for the Jets, now in Carolina. Um, but, yeah, to me, the biggest X factor and the biggest change here could be Robert Tanyan. So tight ends in Green Bay, uh, not always big in fantasy, uh, but I think a lot of people, there's a lot of hype around Robert Tanyan, so having that stack with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback – could make this a decently serviceable team. Not a lot of weak spots in this starting lineup, uh, but you move down to the bench and there's a lot of unproven talent. I mean, you've got Zach Moss as part of the Buffalo backfield, something that's not too exciting. Sony Michelle, who's had an abysmal uh, last few years of his career, now in LA. Uh, and then Henry Ruggs and a few other unproven receivers that just haven't been it when it comes to PPR format. So we'll, we'll see what this team looks like later on in the year. Um, but for now, a decent starting lineup, uh, but not much to really tip your hat to elsewhere. I gotcha. Also, Battle of the Tennessee Titans here. And I did my check here. Derrick Henry actually only had 19 receptions last year, so not even above 20. So we'll see how that goes. In terms of his bench, I like um, some of his players there. Again, unproven talent. And then um, this week, I think I'm going to go with – I think I'm going to go with Manscaped Bushwhackers just because first game of the first game of the year you got Aaron Rodgers and Dalvin Cook there, um, so I think he's looking good in that department. Yeah, and it's it's hard not to factor in the almost 40 point game we saw from Amari Cooper. Um, right now, it's roughly a 25 point or sorry a 15 point uh, spread by ESPN favoring Ethan. Um, I think Kyle has the stronger lineup, um, but coming back from that 40-point deficit that he's already down due to Cooper. I don't think he's going to be able to take it over. I'm going to chalk this one up to my boy Ethan for the win in week one. Okay. Moving on, the next matchup we got, uh, two members of Hillside's cabinet. Uh, welcome Tyler Jasper as the Collusions Investigations Officer. Unfortunately, he's matched up against your boy. Uh, the Bishop Sycamore Centurions. Finished seven and six last year. Both these teams, uh, Tyler and myself, uh, were eliminated in the quarterfinals. Both made the playoffs. Uh, but in a 10-team league, finishing seven and six, and I finished six and seven, uh, there's room for improvement. Tyler got the short end of the straw last year. I think um, he had a tough schedule. He complained quite a bit. But, it, I mean, he turned out pretty well for the most part. Yeah, and I think he's solid across the board here. I think the biggest question mark is Saquon Barkley. Uh, coming back off of the ACL tear, he's already – the Giants are already saying he's going to be on a limited count in terms of his touches, um, which is something that you don't necessarily want from your first round early on pick. Um, but we'll see how this shapes out. I think really to me the X factor is going to be Adam Thielen. I know a lot of people are projecting him to really have a regression in terms of catches. He's been a PPR stud for years. Uh, but people are saying that Jefferson's really going to be the established receiver uh, for Minnesota. So we'll see what Thielen can put together. Uh, and then the last thing to really note is beyond his two starters at running back, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley and James Robinson, uh, the running back depth is not really there. Uh, 
However, Tyler is trying to address that. He's made two pretty savvy acquisition pickups with Tony Jones Jr. Um, after Latavius Murray was cut from New Orleans. And then also has picked up Devonta Freeman, who's likely to sign with the Ravens. So that's a fun backfield we know puts up a lot of points uh, in fantasy. But we'll see who edges out um, that crowded backfield currently for uh, a viable starting position. Yeah, I totally agree. Anytime you got you got the big studs in there, I think you're looking good. Um, regarding your team, though, um, you know, I don't want to dig you down too much, but I'm liking, I'm loving the starters. Your draft print went pretty uh, pristine there. You sniped Calvin Ridley from me. Darren Waller is my second option, but I couldn't go with him. I got to get two wide receivers, but your first three picks were golden. And your first Thursday night game was golden, too. Anytime, I mean, you're starting with 52 points with two players. Um, against a, another roster over on the other side that's kind of beat up. So I'm liking your starters there. Damian Harris, again, one of those guys that we're not really sure about this year. Um, and then Darren Waller must start. I think he's going to be the wide tight end one this year. Um, every game you're going to be starting him. Chase Claypool, he was beat up a little bit in the preseason. So I think um, I have him in another league, and I think he's going to do great this week. And then Brandon Cooks. I wouldn't have anybody on the Houston's team at all, but if you're going to have anybody, I think it'd be Brandon Cooks because who else are they going to throw to um, for that? And then obviously your Homer 49ers here, which I think are going to have a pretty easy game against Detroit. Um, so I think your starting lineup's great. Um, I hate to say it. I'm not a huge fan of your bench, just purely based on um, the number of geezers you got on there that might be at the end of their age there and the end of the season. And then you got, you got, Four guys who are old and busted, and then you got four guys that are new and clean. So Javante Williams, I think he's got to make a big push at the end of the year. Darnell Mooney, besides Allen Robinson, I think he's the only guy they really have to throw to on the offense. Um, you got lucky there with Tyson Williams. I'm excited to see him this week to see um, if he can really push it. And then you got a couple of other guys that are just, I think you just swung for the fences on those, and we'll see how that turns out. But all in all, I want to know who you think is going to win this week. Is it biased? Do you think you're going to win? I think you gave me a pretty fair assumption, uh, a good breakdown of my roster, the bench looking for upside. But, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of question marks there. Um, to keep the integrity of the league, I will abstain from choosing a winner in this matchup. Chaz, I'm dying to perfect. know. Perfect. I was going to make a choice here. Not that I don't hate Bishop Sycamore centuries, but anytime your first player – puts up a, a goose egg with five points. It's always tough for me to go on that side. So um, against popular belief, I'm actually going to go with the ESPN analyst with the five or 59% um, win margin there. So I think you're looking pretty good. With that being said, move on over to your current champion. We've got the rematch between Chooch, the current league champion, and Daniel, the runner-up. Uh, two guys that know what they're doing when it comes to fantasy. Uh, this is going to be a very exciting, I see it, a very high-scoring game. Chaz, go ahead and don't break down your team, but give me some ideas or some thoughts you have uh, towards Daniel's team. Yeah, so Daniel's team, last year he had Christian McCaffrey, and then he was dogging on him this year. Easy to say that when you're picking from the fifth spot. But other than that, his overall lineup I'm liking – Najee Harris, again, unproven talent. I like where um, his head's at with them. Again, they're playing Buffalo, which is a pretty stout um, secondary, so I think he might have some um, open area on the ground there. Russell Wilson always starts out hot. I'm thinking he's going to start out hot again, and I really hope he does well um, and throws it to my boy DK on the other side there. Uh, Miles Sanders, 
playing Atlanta, I think it's a pretty easy go there for him. Terry McLaurin, um, I think he's one of those guys who was kind of in the bottom of the upper tier there, but I think he can really make a push this season. We have a lot of similarities here. So he's got Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett. I got DK Metcalf. Um, his tight end, Dallas Goddard and Tyler Higby are kind of those two that were at the bottom of the barrel there. We both kind of took a shot on them. Um, my savior there, Ezekiel Elliott, though, not so hot start last night, which kind of put me in a good position to win. I mean, when you dress like a troll doll, you got to put up points, you know what I'm saying? And then you might disagree on this since you're a San Francisco fan, but Debo Samuel, I think, um, had a little injury bug last year, but I think he's looking pretty good. And then again, we got Washington versus LA Chargers, and I got the Chargers versus Washington. So we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, pretty even matchup the way I see it. Um, we know Daniel, based on comments in the group message, is, is high on Ezekiel Elliott, has some excuses for him for not putting up big numbers. We'll see how that pans out. And I think you're correct with Debo. Debo's one of those guys uh, we don't know his true ceiling uh, because he was forced the ball so frequently in Kyle Shanahan's offense last year. We'll see if that continues this year, if they're able to spread the ball around more, uh, potentially rely more on Ayuk. And obviously Kittle back from injury as well uh, is going to leave San Francisco with a lot of weapons, but maybe that doesn't bode well for fantasy in terms of Debo Samuel's production. But that's how it kind of goes across the board for these receivers. Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, and Debo are all guys with crazy, crazy high ceilings, but can be very streaky. I know Tyler Lockett, I think, put up a goose egg last year, had zero catches and zero yards receiving. Um, so just the level of their floor is concerning to a level with these high-powered passing offenses. But I do like the stack between Russell and Tyler Lockett here. I agree. All right, I'll go ahead and move on to the reigning champion. I'm a chooch, Chaz Daly, co-commissioner's team. There's a lot to get excited about with this team. I think um, – I know you were complimenting my first three picks. I think your first four picks, uh, the core of your team, is really something to admire. With Josh Allen at quarterback, McCaffrey, who I think everyone across the board has the number one overall player in fantasy football this year, DK Metcalf, and then Justin Jefferson, who I've highlighted earlier in this podcast. Uh, I think he's going to be the workhorse receiver. He's going to get the most targets on the team by far uh, and really develop into a strong wide receiver one, if not the potential wide receiver one. Uh, in my opinion, where your team really tails off and a lot of these teams do since we're starting a double flex league, is that second flex position. Um, I really like Cooper Cup. I think he's going to be serviceable. A lot of targets, a new quarterback with Stafford, so I think there can be a lot of chemistry built there. But in terms of Mike Davis, he's a guy that I was really trying to avoid in most drafts this year, um, is a player that I think his ceiling is right around 15 to 16 points. Is touchdown dependent to have a serviceable week. Uh, but all that being said, in your flex spot is not a bad spot to be. But if you really think about it, I think he's actually better than your RB2. Raheem Mostert with San Francisco is kind of on a time clock before he's done. I think uh, he's a star player, came in as an undrafted free agent, um, but isn't a guy that's going to see the amount of carries you want to have as a starting running back in fantasy football. He's one of those guys that Although San Francisco likes to run the ball, they'll run the ball with four or five or even six players with even tight end sweeps to Kittle or Debo Samuel lining up as a secondary running back. I think that having Mostert as your week one starter is a safe play, but as the year goes on, you're definitely going to need to find a new fill position 
for your RB2. One game at a time, Trinity boy, one game at a time. And then one more thing real quick, um, touch on the, the uh, bench here. Both of our benches, I'm actually in love with my bench. And actually, we just had some breaking news here. Um, first time on the podcast, first podcast, first breaking news. Um, Naheem Hines signed three-year, $18 uh, million extension. So he's sitting pretty down there on my bench. When it goes over to Daniel's bench, I think he's um, got some question marks there too. I like that he's got Tony Pollard on there. I think he'll have a big year. Um, Latavius Murray, he sold an arm and a leg for him. I probably wouldn't have done that, but I like his where his head's at. Mike Kosicki, um, I think he's a good switch in there. Dallas Goddard and him kind of switch him out. And then um, similar to some players who are keeping kind of the – I got Rashad Bateman down there just for a, a stash, and he's got Will Fuller um, inside of that. But, you know, I'm going to go on the same page here. I'm not going to be biased. Who do you think is going to take it? The, uh, the, uh, well, who's going to think he's going to take the, uh, the game this week? I think the game this week is pretty clear in my mind that the better team, as it lines up on paper, even, you know, factoring out Ezekiel's poor performance, I think, Chaz, you've got the stronger team, especially, of course, starters. So I'd give the nod to you. And then especially with the fact uh, of the poor performance to start off uh, with Ezekiel, I think I'll give the nod to Chaz for this week one championship rematch of 2020 season. Thank you. Uh, But it'll be exciting to see. We never know what's going to happen. A lot to come could be wrong with all of our takes well that's what they say there are no fantasy experts you just you know do what you think's the best and then you go with it so i think that's all the lineups we have for this week um so we have trent chose me we got dom patrol manscape bushwhackers viva la tejas and then the title town cheese curds are the ones that we're picking for this week um to come out victorious Moving on to our final segment of the week, we're going to highlight two teams that are on toilet bowl alert. So as we're looking uh, at the way that the standings are constructed week to week, we're going to talk about big losers, uh, teams that we think are – at a threat for becoming two toilet bowl contenders and potentially dirty 30 champions. Uh, Chaz, talk to me about a team in particular that you feel like has had a rough, maybe, I mean, obviously no games have been played uh, in terms of a full fantasy game. What do you think in terms of uh, just a bad draft or a bad couple moves leading into this week one? You know, I'm not one to grab for low hanging fruit, but I think we all know where our heads are at. Don Patrol, I love you, pal, but um, 2.0, I think you need to go to, like, Don Patrol, negative 0.1. You're drafted. I think you had a good mindset going in, but in, you got to do your research for the later rounds, my friend. Two defenses, two tight ends, two quarterbacks, it's just not going to cut it, okay? So, and especially with your uh, day one, Ronald Jones, or um, your day one, Leonard Fournette, only dropping 10 points, that backfield is looking a little rough. Um, so, my pick this year for contender and loser of the toilet bowl will be Don Patrol. What about you? Some fair analysis there for sure. I think in my opinion, um, don't want to harp anyone too bad on a poor draft. Um, so I'm going to talk more about the one big trade we've seen this week. Uh, and in my opinion, I think Will Gray's team has definitely been downgraded a few notches. Um, I could be proven wrong, but with the lack of what was returned in that and now is going to be starting Kyle Pitts at tight end, 
I don't think a fantasy rookie tight end um, has put up a top 10 performance uh, since the year 2000. So we'll see if that changes. I know Kyle Pitts is a freak of nature athlete uh, and we'll definitely see some volume to start the year in Atlanta. Uh, We'll see if he becomes a, a reasonable starter, but Again, the bench is just something that doesn't inspire uh, excitement when you look at it. So to me, Will Gray is one of those bottom feeders to start out. I hope he proves me wrong, but I'm putting Will Gray on the toilet bowl alert. Ooh, a dark horse for Trent. Yeah, you know, I don't disagree. I think there's a, about four guys who are fighting for that bottom spot there, and uh, he's definitely one of them. And then, But who knows? He's already made a big trade, Dom Patrol. He's got them sticky fingers. He might be statching some players up too. So we'll see what happens. Only one game. We'll see how the weeks progress. Well, guys, thanks for listening to the first episode of From the Commissioner's Desk. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. We're excited to hear your feedback uh, and look forward to week one of the NFL season. Talk to you guys soon. Appreciate it. I'll be seeing you in the chat. Stranger in the black sedan I want you hop inside my car